No, it's not. You knew it all that. So I'm looking forward to it. That's a great our series on The Proving Ground by Kevin Gerald. Uh, The tagline for the book says nine tests to prove your potential, nine tests that prove your potential. And so last week we talked about how testing is just a part of life. Uh, It starts at birth and going forward. We are regularly tested to prove what we are learning and how we are processing. If we are developing in ways that are healthy and expected, we know that testing always precedes promotion. That's true in life, uh, grade school, driving, work. You are tested before you're promoted. But it's true spiritually as well. Um, however, and this is the rub that we talked about last week, rarely, Sister Patricia, are these tests announced. We don't have the heavenly broadcast system that comes on and tells us, hey, Doofus, you're about to be you're about to be tested. And that's the challenge with most of life's most important tests. They are by and large unannounced and they catch us off guard. And our hindsight is really good. We're real, real good about looking back and saying, ah, that was probably a test. And I think I blew that one. But I don't know about y'all, but my initial reaction, my initial reaction to this whole idea about how the biggest tests in life are unannounced is something like this. This is it's just it's so not fair. That's just not fair that these tests are so important, but they're unannounced. I mean, you know, if God really loved us, I mean, it's like, hold up, yellow flag penalty on the play. This isn't right. It's not fair. If God really loved me, if God really loved us, then he would announce and let us know, hey, you're. You're about to be tested if it's really that important. Guys, that's simply not true. That's not true. Because the unannounced test tells the true tale of, process, of progress. The unannounced test tells the true tale of progress. God needs to know before he promotes you up, he needs to know, do you have the skill mastered? Can you handle this? Because I can't promote you to a level that's going to destroy you. That's not good. That's not loving. So I need to know what you really know before I move you up. It's not God being cruel or sadistic. It really is about him being loving and having our best interests and the best interests of the people around us that are in our circles of influence, having having all of that in mind, having those best interests in mind. See, the purpose of testing is to prove the product. The purpose of testing is to prove the product, the cars we drive, the planes we fly in, thank you, Jesus. Just about every product that we use gets tested to prove their safety and reliability before they are released into our hands. And we should be thankful, very thankful about that. The product has to withstand testing in a smaller, more controlled environment way before it ever gets into a position where people depend on it. And in the same way, people go through tests. You go through tests. I go through tests in smaller, more controlled environments to prove our safety and our reliability before you get released into greater responsibility. The proving of your personal potential is only revealed through the testing process. To prove that potential, 
comes through the testing process. We can say, God can say, hey, can you handle it? And be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can handle it. I got it. But until you prove it, and the only way you prove it is through testing, you don't really know. So to prove that potential, we typically encounter nine common tests. And we talked about those last week, went over it. If you weren't here, if you missed it, check it out on the podcast. It's also available for those of you that still haven't. The free online assessment uh, is still there. You can take that online assessment and it'll give you like 36 questions, takes five minutes and it'll walk you through and it'll probably, it will, well, it won't probably, it will tell you, hey, based on your responses, this is probably the test that you're going through right now. Now, look, before we launch today, you're always being tested. So the one that we cover today might not be the one that you're being tested in right now, but it's important for you to pay attention because it's this one's probably coming for you at some point. Now, whichever one uh, the self-assessment told you is the one you're dealing with right now, we're going to get to that one. But today we're going to talk about the first of those nine tests, and this is the test of small things. The test of small things. The test, um, the test of small things comes to prove our potential for greater opportunities. The test of small things is about proving our potential for greater opportunities. So each of the nine tests that we're going to go through, each one of them comes with a question. Think of it kind of like the key question that we typically give you here and next. And here's the question for this week. Can you handle more? Can you handle more? The test of small things asks, can you handle more? So by way of introduction, and uh, we're going to look at one passage of scripture uh, found in Luke chapter 16, but we're going to look at it in three different translations. We don't normally do this, um, but I want you to read these with me. Okay, so read these with me. They're going to be on the screen. I think, Christy, we got them. Okay, so here it is. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 in the King James. Read this with me. He that is faithful in that... I'm reading by myself. Let's try it again. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Very good, class. Now, let's go to the NIV. We're going to do the same thing again. NIV, let's read it together. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, New International Version. Here we go. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Hmm. Getting down to it. One more time. Let's go to the New Living Translation. New Living Translation, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. I think we get it. So here we go. Whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish right now, whatever it is that you want to see accomplished in your life, it might be landing the job, landing the promotion, earning the degree, uh, closing the deal, building the business, growing the team, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, there are always smaller choices along the way that play a part in seeing God's plan come to fruition in our lives. Now, interestingly enough, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but there's actually a really cool story in the Bible that illustrates this. And, and it helps us to understand how this test of small things proves our potential to handle greater opportunities. And it comes from the backfields of Judea. In this story, there's this unknown shepherd boy who watches over his father's sheep day by day, 
And as the days go by, the boy spends his time out in the sheep fields practicing with his sling and playing music on his harp. And over time, he learns how to protect his father's sheep. He even kills a bear on one occasion, and he kills a lion on another one. And here's the thing. And who are we talking about? Who? Yes, David. In all of that time, we don't know how long he was out there in the sheep fields. But in all of that time, there were no cameras. There were no crowds. Nobody was watching except a bunch of sheep and God. But one day, this unknown kid from the sheep fields is given a delivery task. Something so mundane and simple. But in a matter of moments, he goes from being an unknown shepherd to be this giant slaying national hero. The very same things that he practiced day in, day out, out there in the Judean hills, watching over a bunch of sheep. Those, those little things are the very things that cleared the path for him to have an audience with the king. See, it's, it's the little things. Little things that we handle every day. That makes such a big difference. Y'all might have heard of this guy before. I think I mentioned him before. Craig Rochelle. Craig says, Craig says it this way. He says, it's the little things that no one sees that have the big impact that everyone wants. It's the little things that no one sees that have the big impact that everyone wants. In, in uh, gaming culture, video gaming culture, and it's actually seeped out into pop culture now, there's this phrase, maybe some of you have heard it, it's get good. You know, you, you didn't win, well, get good. I lost, well, get good. Didn't catch the ball, well, get good. Well, here's what happened. David got good. David got good. I know it's not good English, but David got good at, 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 at hitting things with his sling. David listened and internalized the stories that he heard about God and those small things empowered him to take out Goliath whenever the opportunity came. David got good at harp playing. So he had enough skill for a king to hear about him and seek him out to play for him. Being faithful with the little things over and over again, day after day, opened doors of opportunity for David. Now I've used that word a few times while, while I'm talking about opportunity. Let me just drop this on you. Goliath looks like a problem to everybody else. For 40 days, Goliath looked like a problem to Saul and all of the rest of men, uh, all the rest of the, of the men in the army of Israel. David was able to take a problem and turn it into an opportunity because he had prepared. Because of the way that he had handled the small things up to that point, he was prepared and ever to, able to take what everyone else saw as a problem and turn it into an opportunity. Most of our opportunities, folks, are going to look like problems at first. Saul had a problem. He had an evil spirit, this oppressing spirit that would come to him and trouble him at times is what the Bible says. That's a problem. That's a problem. I don't, I don't want that problem. But David had prepared and put in the time, Steve, and learned the skills, practiced the scales, figured out the chords, played the melodies. He had put in the time and learned the skills. And so what was a problem for others became an opportunity 
for David to play for Saul. So let me just ask you, we'll touch this and move on, but what's going on in your life right now that's a problem? What's happening at work, at home, at church, in relationships? That's, that's a problem. Could it be an opportunity in disguise? Could it be that your prior experience has prepared you to meet that challenge and provide a solution? Being faithful in small things is what allows that to happen. Being faithful in small things is what empowers you to take a problem and turn it into an opportunity. That's good teaching. That's real good teaching. That's Kevin Gerald, but it's good teaching. Jesus, Jesus knew a thing or two about being faithful at little things. I mean, he taught about it more than once in his ministry, and he could teach about it with authority because he had passed the test of small things. I'm going to give you just one example, but in Matthew chapter 4, we know this, that Jesus goes into the wilderness, and he is there explicitly to be tempted of the devil. And the devil tempts him. The first thing the devil tempts him to do is to break his fast. Oh, come on, somebody. We know this one, don't we? We can identify. There's a lot of things Jesus did that I can't identify with. But this one, oh, I got you. I can identify with this one. The devil tempts him to break his fast. Look, and it was such a little thing. I mean, I know he had been fasting for 40 days, but breaking a fast. I mean, compared to all of the other things that we see Jesus do in the Gospels, breaking a fast is just, it's not that big of a deal. It's a little thing, almost inconsequential. But it mattered so much how Jesus responded in that moment with that little thing. Because in that moment of testing, when the only people on the planet that would have known was Jesus and the devil, Jesus remained faithful in something that's relatively small, a personal fast. Why? Because Jesus knew something that we want to forget, or at least that we wish wasn't true at all, and that's this. We cannot get to where we want to go tomorrow if we're always trying to bypass our today. If you want to get to the great things in your future, your increase, your ex the expansion, the growth, then you're going to have to be faithful in the small things today. Ann Landers, some of the younger folks in here might not remember Ann Landers, but I remember Ann Landers used to have a column in the paper every day. Ann Landers said it this way, opportunities are usually disguised as hard work, so most people don't recognize them. And it, that's kind of funny because Paul told the Ephesians, watch this, in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Watch this, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When we do our best with what God puts in front of us, big or small, hard or easy, then we can be sure that we will be given more. The test of small things asks you, can you handle more? And it asks that question by allowing you to take responsibility for the things that are in your care right now today. I don't want you to miss that. I'm going to say it again. The test of small things asks you, can you handle more? But it asks the question in a unique way. It asks you, can you handle more? 
by allowing you to take responsibility for the things that are already in your care right now today. Your job, your marriage, your kids, your house. It's what we do with what we have right now that proves our potential to handle more. And when we miss this truth and forget to take care of what is in our hands currently, right now, then we cannot get to the next level. We cannot get past where we are right now. Let's talk about the fact that uh, experience is required. Just about every job I've ever had uh, required some type of experience. Um, Cutting lawns with Danny Irby excluded. Uh, That just required somebody willing to sweat and endure a little bit of uh, verbal abuse. But other than that, probably very much deserved on my part. But other than that, every every other thing that I've done has required some experience. Alongside most job opportunities, think about it, you typically see a list of minimum qualifications or expected qualifications, right? And the higher up the ladder of compensation and authority you go, the more experience is typically required, yes? Just a nod would be good, yes, okay. And more often than not, especially the the longer you go, the older you get, the more advanced in a career field that you get, more often than not, experience is more valued than knowledge. Yes? I mean, you can only learn so much about flying an airplane from a textbook. The real test for a pilot isn't a score on a pen and paper test. The real test for a pilot is based on his or her ability to actually fly and land the plane. Don't forget, I need you to be able to land the plane, not just fly it. There's a reason why the FFA requires a student pilot to have over 1,500 flying hours before they will be awarded a pilot's license. It's experience. What you actually do when you're in the seat that matters. You know, God operates his kingdom in in a similar way. God watches us in real life situations. His system for promotion isn't, do you know the right answers? Instead, it's more like, what do you do whenever you are in the situation? See, there's an implication. Y'all know the story in Matthew chapter 25, and I say that. Y'all, everybody in here knows the story of the the uh, the master that was going away and he left talents in the hands of his servants and one he gave five and he returned ten and then another one he gave two and he returned four and then you had the one guy at the end right he's given one talent and he's just like all right here's your one talent back and the master was not happy that's a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25 verse 23 the master said to the servant you have been faithful with a few things He's talking to the, to, to the first two, right? The one that had a return. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. It was the servant's successful experience with few, with small, with little, that set him up for many. See the implication there? You, you did well with, with the few things that I gave, the little stuff that I gave you. So that set you up for many. 
So now I'm going to give you a, a next nitty-gritty warning, okay, because this, this is going to get all up in most of our business. What are you doing right now with what you already have? What are you doing with what you have? I am uniquely qualified to teach on this one right here. Not because I've passed the test. But in other words, how are you handling the responsibilities you already have? What's your energy level like toward your current responsibilities? That's a really good question. What is your energy level like toward your current responsibilities? Are you habitually late? Then that probably means that your schedule's out of control. Or you don't have your priorities set. Do you consistently miss deadlines? Your priorities aren't properly defined. Do your kids get enough attention from you at home? What does your yard look like? How clean is your car? How clean is your house? Is there anything? Listen to me. Is there any? I told you it was going to get. Some of y'all like. I felt that spirit like come up here. I felt it. Listen to me. Is there anything about how you treat what you already have that might raise a red flag about your capacity to handle more? Are you taking care of the job you already have? Are you taking care of the employees that you already have? I, you know, I don't want to expand. Well, yeah, but you're treating everybody at work like dirt. I mean, why would I give you more responsibility and authority? Your ability to handle increase is measured by how well you handle what you already have. Now, I want you all to be careful with this. Don't, don't write this off because the tendency is to quickly respond with, well, I'm not doing that bad. I mean, doing all right. I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, I'm doing what most people do with what they already have. Careful, careful, careful. Because here's the key. Most people, <laughs> oh, most people perform mediocre with the opportunities they already have in life. You know how I know that? Because what most people do creates a standard that we call average. We can't have a standard called average if that's not what most people do. And the funny thing is, a lot of average people are offended by the reference to them being average. But few people are willing to actually do what it takes to be Aaron above average and excel. Y'all mad yet? Well, let me try again, just in case. Can't ask yourself, can I hand can I handle not the person sitting next to you, not the person at work, not the theoretical you, not the intended you, but the real you? Can you handle increase? Can I handle increase? But accurate self-analysis is an important skill. And it's especially important 
to experiencing increase in our lives. And it doesn't matter what the increase is. If it's a job promotion, if it's selling more houses, Sheila, if it's a better marriage, accurate self-analysis is key to experiencing that increase. The people who make the most of life's opportunities are consistently looking for ways to improve themselves. Accurate, look of it this way, accurate self-analysis, that's like the bouncer at the door. That's the six foot five, 385 pound bouncer at the door. And he stands at the door between average and mediocre and above average and excellent. Accurate self analysis is right there. And a blues clues. Now, this is good. Blues clues. Anybody ever remember blue and blues clues? Steve, right? Not that other dude that came later, but Steve, he was the best one. A blues clues to somebody that's living in mediocre town is, is their vocabulary. Listen to, listen to the words they say and how they talk. Because a mediocre person will, will often object and protest whenever others, like an employer or a teacher or a pastor, have the nerve to suggest that something that they consider minor in their mind has something to do with them being a more responsible person. Let me give you an example. Whenever a boss or a teacher or a mentor says something like, listen, man, we really need you to be on time for work. Or, hey, around here we, we have a, a standard, and I would appreciate you dressing a little bit better than you dress. Dress a little more professional for work. Dress a little bit better for the role that you have at church. Or how about this one? We need you to have a more positive attitude. Listen, listen to the vocabulary whenever that kind of thing happens. Listen to your vocabulary whenever somebody says something like that to you. Not what you say in that moment, but what you say later to your husband or your wife or your friend at work. Listen to your vocabulary. Because whenever a mediocre person hears stuff like that, they object and protest with something like, well, I'll get my job done. We need you to be here on time. I'll get my job done. I don't see the problem. I'll take care of my business. There's nothing wrong with how I dress. Positive attitude. You want to talk about positive? Have you talked to Karen about her, her attitude? I don't know why we pick on Karen all the time, but we do. Talk to Karen about her attitude. Listen to the vocabulary. Because their vocabulary reveals their attitude. Let me back up and try again. Your vocabulary reveals your attitude. It's the type of attitude that's very common in people who don't realize that with some effort in an area that they consider irrelevant, they could go from being average to being great. That person is willing to put forth the effort to improve. That is the person who sees increase because they can handle increase. Y'all need Bible for that? Because even Jesus told stories about slothful, unproductive servants. You know, at one point Jesus talked about how a master ordered that unproductive servant who would remain stagnant and unimproved should lose what he already had and it would be given to another servant who already had much. That's back in Matthew chapter 25. So listen, God's system of increase isn't based on whether or not Someone is a good person at heart. Oh, yeah, they're a little late most of the time, but they're a good person at heart. Yeah, they come in looking kind of sloppy most days, but they're, they're a good person at heart. 
That's not God's system of increase. And God's system of increase isn't based on his love for you or his love for humanity. Now, salvation is. Salvation is very much based on his love for humanity. But it's, his system of increase isn't based on his love for you. His system of increase is based on what we do with what we already have. And guys, I'm telling you, you start thinking about this, you can go through Scripture. Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, 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 Moses, Joshua, David, Ruth, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Peter, Paul. Go through Scripture, go down the line, and look at how each one of them proved their potential for increase by handling smaller responsibilities successfully before they ever stepped into increase before they ever stepped into that, that higher level and greater arenas of influence, you'll notice a trend. They handled small things faithfully first. Let me give you one case study. Ooh, all right, we're doing good. Let me give you a case study. A guy named Abram who had his name changed to Abraham. He handled, let's look at how he handled increase at one point in his life. And I'm going to ask you some questions here, and you can use, feel free to use these questions to help you assess your own readiness for increase. But uh, we're going to look at three, three passages um, that happened in Genesis chapter 13. So Genesis chapter 13, we'll look at verses 2 and then verses 5 through 7 in the NIV. It says, Abram had become very wealthy. Increase. Become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. So increase in more than just one area. Now, Lot, who had been moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions are so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot. Why did quarreling happen? Because there was increase. Because they were doing so well quarreling started happening. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. Increase means added responsibility. Doesn't mean you get less responsibility. Increase means you have more to deal with, more to handle, more to manage. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Increase can cause strife and dissension and tension between people. How, do you, how well do you deal with that? Can you deal with it? Look, whenever you rent a house, and you have a problem, you call a landlord. Like, hey, this electrical outlet doesn't work. Toilet's not working. I need you to come fix it. You're the landlord. But whenever you own the house and you have a problem, you are the landlord. You're the one who has to fix it. That's a problem or an issue that comes with increase. You don't call somebody else. you got to fix it yourself. Whenever your ministry or your business or your influence or your role at work grows, there's going to be tension, I promise you, to accommodate the increase. Can you handle it? Can you deal with it? Whenever the people under you are bickering and, 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 and being all kinds of nasty about territory, well, I always did that, or that was always her job. Or, I mean, are you going to be able to handle that? Come on, court. You've heard it, huh? You've heard it. Are you, going to, are you going to be able to manage personalities that come with the increase? All right, let's look at another one. Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 through 9. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It's, it's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. 
If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Solution. Increase, guys, will decrease unless we make room for it. So can you facilitate increase? Or are you frustrated by it? Are you frustrated by the idea of having to handle more? If you are, you're not ready for increase. When increase comes, somebody's got to find solutions to the opportunities, a.k.a. problems. Somebody's got to find those solutions. Am I capable, ask yourself, am I capable of searching out the next needed step to accommodate the increase? One more. How y'all doing? Y'all doing all right? Y'all don't look as mad as you were earlier. Okay, Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 15, and then verse 17. The Lord said to Abraham, now watch this. Okay, so we know what Abraham's been dealing with, right? There's, there's problems that come with increase. There's managing personalities that come with increase. He was super uh, accommodating. Hey, you go left, I'll go right. You want to go right, I'll go left. We're just going to work it out. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing it right. But now watch this. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot departed for him, look around from where you are to the north and south to the east and west. All of the land you see, I'm going to give you and your offspring forever. So go. And walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. So while you're in the middle, watch this. While you're in the middle of managing all of this increase, I need you to get ready because I'm about to give you increase. Before you will have increase, first of all, you're going to have to see it by imagining it. Can you see things that aren't yet in existence? Or do you only see what's the reality right now today? Are you willing to continue to dream of bigger and better things while not despising the smallness of what you have right now? Can you hope and keep hoping for bigger and better and not get discouraged? So look, don't miss what's going on right here. Abram had just been managing his current increase, and now God was inviting him to get a vision for future increase. And God is he's inviting him to do something that a lot of us resist. Look, Abram, I know you're busy right now, but I want you to get your eyes up off of the here and now. I want you to see something bigger. And then I want you, I want you to walk around in something and experience something that you don't have yet and get a feel for what's coming. And some of us would say, Lord, look, I'm still trying to manage what I have today. I feel overwhelmed with what I've got right now. And you want me to get a feel for something else? No, thank you. I'm tired. I want to go home and take a nap. And I was like, I don't want you to take a nap. I want you to get your eyes up and go walk around in something that's going to be yours one day. If that's you, then you're not ready for increase. Teaching so good right now. All right, let's bring this home. I'm going to give you four tips to help you pass the test of small things. It's going to be really quick, but four tips to help you pass the test of small things. Y'all can see them up there already. First of all, see your problems as opportunities. Reframe. Reframe. Ask yourself, what's the solution? And determine what you can do to solve the problem. And then roll up your sleeves and go to work. Sometimes, Aaron, you just got to eat the frog. It's nasty and it's gross, but it's got to be done. And so you just roll up your sleeves and you go to work. Don't avoid it because this, this problem is your opportunity in work clothes. Number two, treat small opportunities as if they are the doorway to greater ones. Don't despise the responsibilities you have right now. 
but be as diligent as you would be as if the whole world was watching. Because God's watching. And he's going to promote you when you are proven. Number three, show motivation in the small things of your everyday life. This one, let's read that one again. Show motivation in the small things of your everyday life. Honest self-analysis should, if it's honest, should point out some areas to you where you can make a positive difference in yourself and being more diligent toward your responsibilities. Dig into those areas without procrastination. Don't wait. Abraham Lincoln wrote in a letter, he said, I will study and prepare myself so when the opportunity comes, I'm ready. Prepare yourself now. And number four, make no excuses. No excuses. Excusitis, that's the common disease of non-achievers. Excusitis is the common disease of the mediocre and the average. People who make excuses rarely excel with what they have. So give yourself no excuse for doing your very best with what you already have. No excuses. Let me give you some next steps. For those of you willing to engage, I'm going to give you some questions to ask. If we want to pass the test of small things, we've got to recognize them and not overlook them. And each time we uh, pass the test of small things, we are going to experience increase and then need to be ready to manage that increase. So to that end, let me give you some next steps to consider. What is, it's just a question, just, just, just a question. What is a small thing in your life right now that you are going to take ownership of in this season? What is a small thing in your life right now that you're going to take ownership of in this season? You probably already know what it needs to be. What do you think comes next? Come on, nexters that have been here with me for a while. Write it down. That one small thing that you know, ah, I really need to pay more attention to that. I need to take more responsibility for that small thing. And write it down. Write down how you're going to take ownership for it. I'm just trying to help you. Trying to help us all get better. And there might be one small thing in your life right now that if you took ownership of that one small thing, wrote it down, and were purposeful and intentional about it, it would open up that door. Maybe you need to engage with this question. Do I have a vision for increase? If not, can you see something bigger? Can you see something better? If not, what one step do you need to take in order to see a vision of increase for your future? And here's, here's what I'm talking about. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our current mess that we literally can't get our eyes off of right here and now to see something that's bigger and better. So I'm going to give you one key strategy to getting out of that kind of funk, and that's this. Seek out a mentor. Find yourself a mentor who loves you enough to tell you the truth and tell them, 
I am so wrapped up in this mess. I want to have a vision for something greater. I want to have a vision for something better. I don't know how. Seek out a mentor. Somebody that's been there and done it would be best. You might need to read a book. You might need to enroll in a class. Very practical steps. But something that will move you in the direction of something bigger and better in your life. And here's a third question I want to ask. In what area of your life do you need to fight for discipline? Don't have enough time? How much time do you spend on Facebook over the course of a week? Or social, your social media poison of choice? Uh, how much time goes down the drain looking at a screen? What area of your life do you need to fight for discipline? Look, maybe it's eating. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's the discipline of sitting down with your spouse and talking for 15 minutes about something other than what the kids just blew up. You know, I, what area of your life do you need to fight for discipline? Well, what's one thing that you could do to establish an easy win in that area? Something that you could build on. Folks, look, God wants to see that you have everything that you need to succeed. But he loves you too much to give you too much too soon. Did y'all catch that? He wants you to have everything you need to succeed, but he doesn't want to, to load you down so that you can't be successful. Focus on the small things now and see what God will do as you pass the test of small things. Whew. All right, next week, next week, uh, we will be joining the adult class in the sanctuary to make room for the um, Sunday school rally that's going to be taking place here in the A Center. And give them plenty of room uh, far away from me to do all of that. So we're going to let them have that in here. We'll be in the A Center next week. But the week after that, November 3rd, uh, we will continue with the Proving Grounds. And Nathan Henson is going to be talking to us about the motivation test. Why you do what you do. News to you, honey? No, it's not. You knew it already. Don't even put that out there. So I'm looking forward to that. Nate's a great communicator. I love his teaching, always very practical. And uh, so we will, we will hear from him on November 3rd. Uh, let's go.